God's Word. Father, I ask for your help today as I move quickly to cover a lot of, a lot of subject matter. And Father, I just pray the next few minutes that I would have the mind of Christ and clarity. I pray that people would hear your word, they'd be moved and inspired by your word. We'd draw closer to you. As we walk with you, let our walk become warmer, let it become richer, let it become more alive than ever before as we recognize the working of your spirit in our lives. We thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're finishing our series, this is the sixth week of what we call The Walk. What it's really about, walking with God. What is this relationship with God all about? We've covered five subjects thus far. We've talked about what just happened to me. What is the new birth all about? What is this thing about salvation and having a Savior and and eternity? What is that all about? We covered that in week one. Then next we talked about how is life different now? We talked about what it means to be a child of God. And we really talked about the fact that if you don't know what God says about you, then you don't know what you could expect from him. We talked about what it really means to be a child of God. How is life different now? The third week, we talked about prayer. Can I really talk with God? And we made prayer so simple and to the point, taught it just as Jesus taught it. In the fourth week, we talked about the importance of the Bible, the Word of God. What do I do with this Bible? We talked about that. Last week... We addressed the subject of faith. What does it mean to live by faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? We talked about the fact that as you walk with God, you are walking by faith. You can't see him. You can't smell him. You don't taste him. Your natural senses don't touch him. Therefore, the walk with God is always, always, always going to be a walk of faith. And today in this last message in this series, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things you hear when you start attending church, and and maybe you're new to church life, maybe you're new in this relationship with God, and one of the things that hits you is, well, people talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. What is that all about? What does it mean? What is the Holy Spirit? What is that? Well, today we're going to address that topic and talk about it for a few minutes today. What is the Holy Spirit? The better question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Not what. But who? So this morning in my introduction, and by the way, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis, just an introduction today to the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, an overview of what he wants to do in our lives. A few years ago, I did a series on the Holy Spirit. I spent 12 weeks teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's so much there, but I'm just going to give you a brief overview of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let me give you an introduction this morning. The Bible teaches that there is only one God. The Bible teaches there is only one God. Now, throughout history, people have created gods. People have created idols. If you travel the world, there are all kinds of gods. There are some religions today that literally worship hundreds of gods. But the Bible teaches that there is only one God. All other so-called gods and idols are simply deceptions of Satan and inventions of people. But not only that, the Bible also teaches that this one God is distinctly revealed in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The theological word that is often used is the word Trinity. The word Trinity is not in Scripture 
But there's a picture throughout Scripture, and we see it clearly mentioned to us, that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. The word Trinity means tri, three, and unity. Three in unity. Three in perfect oneness. Three in unity. And understanding this, we talk about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Throughout Scripture, over and over again, we see that the Father is referred to as God. But we also see in Scripture that Jesus the Son is also referred to as God. But finally, third of all, we also see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is also referred to as Son. Now, Scripture does not, or as God, rather, the Scripture does not give us the total explanation of what it means for the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit to be three in one. It's one of those things that we probably could never get our natural minds around to fully understand it. But let me say this to you today. For those of you who say, well, how in the world could God be three persons? Well, let me just tell you, you're created in the likeness of an image of God, and you are three persons. You have a body, you have a mind, soulish man, and you have a spirit. You're three-part being. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. These three are one, is what Scripture teaches. Now, why am I taking time to walk through this this morning? Throughout the Scripture, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as He or Him. Scripture refers to the Holy Spirit as He or Him, not it. It's not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. Now, the reason I'm talking about this today is because I believe everything God is doing in the earth today, He's doing by His Spirit, and oftentimes, most of the time, through people. God's doing it by His Spirit, and most of the time, through people. Now, today what I want to do is I want to take this topic of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, something I could spend weeks and weeks teaching on and never exhaust the subject. And I want to break it down in just a few minutes into three main thoughts. I want to talk to you today about three things that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. Turn to somebody and say just three things. See, even for the simplest-minded, you can handle three things today. Even for ADD people, if you write down one of them, you can remember all three of them. You say, well, don't make fun of me. I'm making fun of me. I'm not making fun of you, okay? You give me three things, I have to write at least one of them down or I'll forget them. I can remember the first and the last. Everything in the middle is tough for me, okay? But I want to give you three things today that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit works for us say this with me the holy spirit is working for me he's working on your behalf remember when we started this series we were talking about romans chapter 8 one of the most famous verses from romans chapter 8 is found in verse 28 for we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are the called according to his purpose the minute we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the minute we begin this relationship with God, the Holy Spirit begins to work for us. As a matter of fact, 
Even before you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit was working for you. I'm going to show you to you here in just a moment. The Holy Spirit is working for me. How many of you like the idea of the Holy Spirit working on your behalf? Isn't it good to know that while you're just going through life, taking care of your daily chores, doing the regular business of everyday life, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is working behind the scenes on our behalf. Now, let me just show you a few things real quickly that the Holy Spirit's doing for us. Look at John chapter 16, verse number 7. John 16, verse 7. We're going to look at just two verses here real quickly. Nevertheless, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, pause here just a moment. I don't have a lot of time to do this, but I, but I want, to, want you to see this. Jesus is telling his disciples, who he's lived with for three years, he's saying, I'm about to leave you, I'm going to be going away. And they're, they're sad. They're saying, oh, my goodness, you're leaving us. What about the kingdom? What about all that we thought was going to happen? Jesus said, I'm going to be leaving you. But notice the words, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Did you know it works to our advantage that, that Jesus went back to the Father? It, it works to our advantage. It's advantageous for us. Some people say, oh, I wish I could have lived in the days of Jesus. I wish I could have seen all that. You know what? That'd be cool. That'd be wonderful. But Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I finished my work and gone back to the Father. Why? If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Isn't it interesting? He mentions a helper. How many of you need a little help? 45, 50% of you. I know some of you are pretty, pretty tough, I know. But some of us need help. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now look at the next verse, verse 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now there's more of it said, and I'm, but I want to stop right here for time's sake. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come and he will work for you and he will be a helper. He will be a helper. And the way the Holy Spirit begins his help in our lives is he comes as a convincing force. How did you come to faith in Jesus? You came to faith in Jesus because you heard the message and the Holy Spirit made that message come alive, put faith in your heart. You heard the story and then he began to knock on the door of your heart because the Holy Spirit convinced you that Jesus was the Son of God. He died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. He ascended back to the Father. And you realized and you understood you were a sinner lost in your sins. You needed a Savior, and God had sent his Son. And when you embraced that with your heart, this work of salvation began in your life. You experienced this new birth where you walked into this relationship with God. And it all started with the Holy Spirit convincing you that you needed Jesus. But then it goes on from there. After he convinces you you need a Savior and you put your faith in Jesus, he then convinces you that you are right in the sight of God. We, talk, we talked about this the first couple of weeks of this series. He convinces us that we're now the children of God and we're right with God. And the God of this world has been judged. He's been exposed. And now we are free and liberated to walk with God. We are no longer bound by Satan and sin and the old life, but we can now walk through life with God. 
He's come to convince us of all of this. He's a convincing force. He's a helper. John chapter 14 tells us that this helper will come and he will live in us. What Jesus literally said was, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you through the Holy Spirit and he will come and be a helper. Here's the amazing thing about the walk. Some people are wondering, well, you know, this series on the walk, you know, I love all the simplicity of it. Let me, let me tell you about the detail of this. What every believer, I don't care how many years you've been walking with God. I don't care how many books of the Bible you have memorized and how much you think you know. You always will need a helper in your life the rest of your life. You always need God's presence. And here's the beauty of it. I, you know, of all the promises Jesus made, I think one of the greatest promises is, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Never. Why? How does Jesus do that? He lives in all of us. Me, you, 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 you. He lives in all of our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes as a helper. It says he dwells. He sets up housekeeping within us. And he stays there. He lives there. And he's there to help us. And he comes as the spirit of truth. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does as a helper, working for us. He will also lead us. Look at Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something we touched on a few weeks ago, but I want you to see the significance of this. Romans chapter 8, verses number 14 and 15. We'll have the verses on the screen. Look at verse 14 of Romans chapter 8. For as many as are what? As many as are? As many as are? There we go. I just want to make sure you got it. As are led by what? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are sons of God. So what else will the Holy Spirit do for us? He'll begin to lead us. He begins to give us a convincing, an understanding. Yes, I need to move this direction. No, I do not need to move off in this direction. God will begin to lead us by the Holy Spirit. I'll get to it more in just a moment. He will use the Word to help us understand where we need to go, where we don't need to go. But the Holy Spirit on many occasions in my lifetime has just shown up when I was least expecting it. And I would just get a disturbance inside and an impression inside. And I would know something's not right. And I would stop to pray. And after stopping to pray, I would have this impression, this understanding, you don't need to keep going in this direction. There's a different direction you need to go right here. The Holy Spirit works for us by leading us. Doesn't mean he dominates all of our lives. Doesn't mean he dominates all of our decisions. You know, I, I know there are people who claim to be a lot more spiritual than me. I know that. I don't think God cares what color socks I wore today. Some people think, well, I'm gonna, God, I don't know what color socks to wear. I do. They need to match your shirt or your sh pants or your shoes or something. You know, match them with something. But I don't think God's all that concerned about that. I don't think the Holy Spirit's concerned about all those decisions like that. But the things in life that are important, if we will trust God, the Holy Spirit will lead us even in decision-making in life. He wants to lead us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now look at verse number 15, the next verse. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage that leads back to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Let me ask you a question. 
Have you ever abandoned your children when they needed you? Some of you are thinking about it. I'd like to. How many have got teenagers? You know what? I was just thinking this week. <laughs> have you ever abandoned your children when they still needed you? Of course not. Do you think God's ever going to abandon you? Of course not. The Holy Spirit lives in us. God wants to be involved with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to help us with the decisions of life. And if we will lean on the Holy Spirit and depend upon him, he will direct our footsteps. He's promised to do that. Look at John chapter 16. I'm moving quickly. I'm going to run through, through some verses that I'm going to finish up quickly today. John chapter 16, look at verse 13. Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You. Another thing the Holy Spirit does for us is he reveals truth. He literally leads us into truth. And I love, I love what Jesus said here. Now, I'm going to move quickly and say it fast. So listen, turn your, turn your fast listeners on, okay? Jesus came and in his ministry over and over again, Jesus said, I don't speak anything except what I hear the Father saying. I didn't come to tell you any message except the message of the Father. And now Jesus says, I'm going back to the Father, but I'm going to send another helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to live in you, every single one of you. He'll be with you 24 hours a day, every single day of your life. And while he's there, one of the things he's going to do is he's going to lead you into an understanding of truth and not just some truth, but in every situation of all the truth you need in that situation. And here's the beauty of it. As you walk with God as he leads just as Jesus only spoke what the father gave him Jesus says the Holy Spirit will take everything the father's committed to me and he will give it to you he'll give you understanding beyond your natural understanding he will help you know truth he will help you know the correct way to walk, the correct direction to go. He'll help you understand the Word. As a matter of fact, a little further on, we find that the Holy Spirit actually becomes our teacher. That same Spirit that convinces us of a need of a Savior, that same Holy Spirit begins to teach us, and He takes the truth of God's Word, and He molds it and shapes it in our heart, and He brings us to a place of understanding where I understand this is truth. How do you know? I just know that I know that I know. You know that you know because the Holy Spirit is teaching you truth. He teaches us the things that we need to know. Last week or two weeks ago, as I, as I talked about the Word of God, and then last week, faith in the Word of God. I talked about the Word of God, I talked about faith. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is He takes the Word of God and He makes it come alive. 
you know, there are times in my morning devotions when I'm reading through there and I'm reminded of things I've read before and sometimes I'll see something I hadn't really noticed before. But there are times when I'm reading along and all of a sudden a verse will just jump off the page and it becomes so alive and it's like, wow, 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 wow. Now I understand. The Holy Spirit helps us connect the dots. He helps us understand and connect things that we've never fully understood before. As a matter of fact, as you read through 1 Corinthians, it tells us that the Spirit reveals hidden things of God. God wants to show us things, and the Holy Spirit will work for us to teach us the ways of God. Some people say, well, I don't know how to walk with God. You just start walking and listen to the Holy Spirit. He will walk you into all the truth, and you will walk through life hand in hand with Jesus. That's what God wants you to do. But then there's a second thing that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit also works in us. How many of you, you know, going back and looking at number one, how many of you get kind of excited? Wow, God, God the Holy Spirit's working for me. He's working for me. How many of you think that's pretty cool, huh? Well, he also is trying to work in us. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. A lot of you know this passage of Scripture, but if you don't, I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit. Now pause here just a moment. What is fruit? Fruit is something that grows on a tree, on a plant. Are you with me so far? It's what that tree or that plant produces. You see peaches on a tree, and you know it's a peach tree. You see plums on a tree, you know it's a plum tree. You see oranges on a tree, and you know it's an orange tree. How do you know? Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. He also said that our lives will be known by the fruit that our lives produce. How many are with me? You with me so far? Jesus, or Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit... In other words, the Holy Spirit also has the ability to produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Go to the next verse, verse number 23, gentleness self-control or temperance, and against such there is no law. Now, we said, number one, the Holy Spirit works for us, but the second thing that every believer needs to understand is as I walk with God, the Holy Spirit begins to work. Why? Because he lives in me. And what does he start doing? He starts trying to produce the nature of God in me. How many of you know me well enough to know that God's still working on me? Got a few smart alecks in the house. <laughs> He's still working on me because I'm not just like Jesus. God sees me that way, but on this end, I'm still in process. But here's the point. We all have an old, fallen nature and at times, it's pretty ugly. 
We all at one time lived a life that was totally consumed with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and self-pride. All of us. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit moves in and sets up his dwelling in us, he begins to work from the inside out to change us. See, Jesus said the bad stuff that we produce in life, the bad stuff is not just a, a matter of what comes out of you. It's what's going on inside of you. It's not what you're taking in necessarily. It's what's going on inside that's producing that. Because it's out of the heart that all the works of the flesh and all the ugly things begin. The reason we struggle is because in the early days of our lives, we committed our hearts and our ways to the things that we wanted. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. But the Holy Spirit comes in to begin to change us from the inside out. And he produces all the ugly stuff that was going on. He produces something new that begins to push that stuff away. Love, joy. How many, how many could use a little love today? How many could use a little joy today? How many of you could use a little bit of peace today? I see some people elbowing their spouse right now. How many of you could use a little patience today? How many, could you, how many of you could be a little more kind and sweet and gentle? How many of you need an attitude adjustment about the people sitting around you today? How many of you need an attitude adjustment about me? Yeah, see? See, the Holy Spirit comes to change our perspective from the inside out. The, the problem is a lot of Christianity, there are people who are trying to change what's going on the outside so they look like Christians and they miss the point. Let the Holy Spirit change you on the inside and it produces different fruit, different actions in our lives. In other words, when the Holy Spirit moves in, he brings the nature of God. If we will just learn to walk with him and cooperate, he will change our nature from the inside out. That's good. Thank you, brother, right there. Everybody in the house ought to be saying, yeah, I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with him. Hey, it's okay to admit you're not there yet. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. So he puts the Holy Spirit in us in part to begin to change us from the inside out. And, you know, Romans chapter 12, I've been in at the last couple of weeks a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, talks about that transformation that happens in life. When we take the old way of thinking and we begin to shift and the Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals truth to us and lives in us and we begin to change the way we think and the fruit in our life changes because we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And all of a sudden, we begin to walk out the will of God. We begin to live in the will of God because the Holy Spirit's changing us from the inside out. For those of you who are so excited about the Holy Spirit working for you, you need to also get excited about the Holy Spirit working in you. Because I'm going to tell you, life is better when your attitude's right. Life is better when your heart is right. Everybody around you will tell you, you're a kinder, sweeter person when Jesus shows up in you. Years ago, I worked with a guy, a minister, and, and one day, you know, he said, at times, he was really hard to work with. And man, he, he, was, he was hard sometimes. And one day, he said to me, are you struggling with me? And I said, you know what? The truth of the matter is, when I see Jesus in you, you're easy to follow. But when I don't see Jesus in you, it can be really tough. 
We all need the Holy Spirit working in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And third of all, the Holy Spirit also wants to work through us. He works for us. He works in us. He also wants to work through us. Remember I, I said at the beginning of this message, what I'm going to give you today is just a quick overview of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have probably never come to a place of surrender with this. Some of you might still be struggling with point one and point two, and, and number three is like way out there in the distance. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not about maturity. It's not about how much you know and how long you've been walking with God. It's about availability. But number three, God the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. Say with me, the Holy Spirit wants to work through me. One more time, every, every believer in the house, I need this to come out of your mouth today, okay? The Holy Spirit wants to work through me. Sometimes we minimize the fact that while I'm walking with God, sometimes the Spirit of God wants to use me to minister to somebody beyond my natural ability. Scripture talks about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 is, is such a well-known passage of Scripture in the church. It's really the birth and the beginning of the church. It's after the ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to happen in the lives of believers. It's something that Scripture had said would happen. Scripture promised it, prophesied it. John the Baptist promised that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. But look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is the last verse I'm going to look at today. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says these words, but you shall receive power. Does anybody know who's speaking here on these, this verse? How many of you know who's speaking here? It's Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. In the book of Acts, these are the last recorded words of Jesus before he goes back to the Father, before he ascends. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit who lives within you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Speaking of this baptism. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And I'm almost finished with my message. I'm going to move quickly to finish up today. So I want everybody to follow me real close. Sometime in the near future, I'm going to take a little more time to teach on the Holy Spirit again. But I want you to notice something here. Jesus said, you shall receive power. In other words, you shall receive something you've not had before. If you already had it, it wouldn't be something that you would need. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the purpose of the power is that you and I would become witnesses of the life, the ministry, and the purpose of Jesus Christ. He wants our lives to reflect what his ministry was all about. 
It's not to be a reflection of a dead, dry religion so people can be philosophical Christians that run around saying, well, I believe this, the philosophy of Jesus. We just need to be nice to people. That wasn't the philosophy of Jesus. That was part of it. But Jesus wanted to establish a following, a church for the future and from generation to generation that would exhibit his power that the church as a whole would be a picture of the life of Jesus alive in the earth right here and right now. That's our calling. And God wants to put his spirit that lives within us, he wants it to come upon us as a baptism, as if we just get totally buried in the power of the Spirit. He wants that Spirit to come upon us that you and I could be been, begin to minister to people in the same manner that Jesus ministered to people. And it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, chapter 12, chapter 14, Paul talked about the gifts that would flow through our lives when we receive this power from the Holy Spirit. When we open our hearts and embrace this baptism, there are gifts that would begin to operate that would allow us to minister to people beyond our natural abilities. You look at the ministry of Jesus. Day after day, page after page, as you read through the Gospels, you see it over and over again, miracle after miracle after miracle. So much is involved over and over and over again. And people are standing back in amazement. They're saying, we've never seen things like this before. God wants the life of the church to be the very same way where we see the power of God working through us in miraculous ways and it becomes the everyday norm rather than the every now and then occurrence. And it only happens, it only happens as we, as a church, open our hearts and embrace the Holy Spirit and say, God, you use me as you want to use me. That's when it begins to happen. Paul gave us nine gifts right there. 1 Corinthians 12, and he talked about it more in, in 14. Paul mentioned those gifts, and I just want to go through them real quickly because you can really divide them into three categories. First of all, there are knowledge gifts or revelation gifts where the Holy Spirit reveals something to us that we didn't naturally know. It's not weird. It's not crazy. It's perfectly natural for the Holy Spirit. Remember Romans chapter 8? It says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit will drop things in our spirit, and we will know things we didn't naturally know. Talked about the word of knowledge. When you'll suddenly have word, you'll have an understanding. I know something I didn't know before. It's a word of knowledge. Or second of all, a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is different from a word of knowledge in that a word of knowledge is to know something. A word of wisdom is to have a word that gives a direction for a path to walk out in wisdom. The third would be the discerning of spirits. To be able to discern, to know what's at work around us. When you sense something isn't right or you're, you're questioning what, what kind of spirit's at work here, you can know what it is. The spirit will reveal to you. It'll show you, is it the spirit of God? Is it the spirit of Satan? Or is it just a human spirit pulling on you? What's going on here? And then there are the, the speaking gifts. When God will call upon us to speak something, one of those is prophecy. To address something that God's about to do. To speak forth what God is about to do in a situation or in someone's life. It's a speaking gift. Prophecy. Usually addressing the future. 
Also, there's the gift of tongues. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit baptism was first poured out, you see it so predominant right there. People speaking in tongues, speaking a language they did not naturally know, and other people who knew those languages heard them praising God and talking about the greatness of God in their own language, and they knew it was miraculous. And third of all, the interpretation of tongues. The ability to hear the utterance that someone would speak that you don't understand naturally and suddenly be able to interpret and share the message that God is trying to get across to someone. And then the third group of gifts are power gifts, gifts of miracles. How many of you believe God's still working miracles today? Do you believe that? We need to expect God to work miracles, not just believe he can. We need to expect God to be working miracles every day. Second of all, gifts of healings over and over again God healing God using us to lay hands on the sick and pray prayers of faith and see people healed by the power of God that's the working of the Holy Spirit and then the last one is a supernatural gift of faith where you walk into a situation and you know that you know that you know I've got this faith God wants to do something miraculous right now and you act on that faith and you see God do something miraculous the Holy Spirit brings that into our lives, not to make me look good, not to make you look good, but to make Jesus look good, to continue the ministry that he started in the earth. And friend, I'm going to tell you, 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 I wish I had time to get up close and put my finger right out in front of you. Every single one of us, even including the pastor, God wants the Holy Spirit to work through us in miraculous ways to minister to people because he wants to work through us. He wants to work through us. Amen. Some of that ministry even works on our behalf at times. The Holy Spirit wants to work for us and in us and through us. But here's the thing. We have to embrace his work for us and in us and through us. Each one of those phases. I don't want to live a day of my life where the Holy Spirit's not working for me and in me and through me. But I need to embrace him. This morning, we're going we're gonna to worship God together. And we're going to sing one more song of worship. But before we sing it, I want to tell you, as we sing this song, I want you to open your heart and embrace the working of the Holy Spirit for you, in you, and through you. Most of you embrace the Holy Spirit working for you. Everybody wants that. But we need to be aware and embrace Him working in us and through us as well. The worship team's getting in place. But just before we sing this song, I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Because maybe you're here today and maybe you've listened to this message and Maybe you're not in relationship with God, but as you've listened to this today, you've realized, you know what? This is real. God is real. It's not about religion. It's about being in relationship with God. As you hear this today, I want to give you an opportunity to embrace God, the Holy Spirit. As he's convincing you of your need of a Savior, I want you to have the ability right now to embrace all that God's trying to do in your life. So maybe you've never prayed this prayer before. Maybe you've never opened your heart to God. But I want to lead everybody in a prayer and give everybody in this house an opportunity to embrace a relationship with God. Please, everybody here.
pray this prayer right out loud with me. You don't have to shout it, but pray it right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. Become my father. I accept Jesus as my savior. And I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. Teach me your ways so I can follow you all the days of my life throughout eternity. I trust you. I believe you. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're not finished this morning, but I'm going to ask everyone to stand to your feet. And as a part of this message, I want us to sing this song, and I want us to embrace the working of the Holy Spirit for us. Everybody say, for us and in us and through us. I want us to sing this song, and I want us to ask God, God, work for me and in me and through me by your Holy Spirit. And as you begin to worship God, I just want you to have the freedom this morning to worship God in the Spirit and worship Him with understanding. Let's just worship God together for a few minutes. As the worship team leads us in this song, feel free to lift your hands. Ask God to just fill your life with the presence of His Spirit.
Can we lift our voices? Just sing out a new song to him right now. Just invite his presence into this place, into your life. In everything that we do, that he would move. Holy Spirit, 
That is our declaration this morning. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. Yes, we want you here in this moment, but not just in this moment, in our everyday lives, our everyday ordinary lives. We give to you. We ask that you would work in us and for us and through us. Let your glory, Holy Spirit, be seen in our lives, through our lives, and for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, one more time, let's praise our God this morning. And hey, while you're standing there for just a moment, I just want to say one more quick thing and then I'm going to ask you to be seated. But if you are here this morning and you made a decision to 